Hi, I'm Alexander. I'm Elena. And I'm Jim, and this is Topic Lords, the only place on the internet you can hear topics discussed. Alexander, would you like to introduce yourself, or do you have anything to plug? Hi, um, I'm Alexander Young. You may remember me from several other episodes now, <laughs> um, but still teaching math uh, at the college level, uh, still pretty much unfindable. Um, for something to plug, uh, again, I'm going to go with a podcast I've been listening to. Um, been listening to a podcast called The Constant, a history of getting things wrong about all the weird and crazy things that people believed uh, in the past and whatever reasoning they had for it. It's it's pretty entertaining. That sounds great. The host is a bit starky sometimes, but when choosing topics, I'm just going to say it had it was a struggle not to just take episodes of that show and make them topics for this one i mean i I would be okay with that you want to redo yours i I don't want to just repeat what this other guy said though i you you know if you want that you can go there i'm gonna plagiarize a whole other podcast oh sure sure. yeah we just copy and paste it in yeah i can't wait till they get to the present day where we find out we've been right about everything that'll be exciting (laughs) yeah but that's like where uh today's poem is from for example oh Oh, is 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 the poem wrong no spoilers. Uh, no, but it was about somebody who was very wrong. Okay. All right. Uh, Elena, would you like to introduce yourself or do you have anything to plug? Hey, uh, I'm I'm still your sister. And I can plug, uh, I got this in the mail today, finally, which I'm excited about. So I have like, since I was a child, really liked the idea of a weighted blanket. And I got really excited when the rest of the world noticed that that was a, a cool idea and started making them. And I got like three and none of them are good because they're all like, a quilt made of bean bags. They're like lumpy. Right. But I was at a friend's place. I was visiting in New York and they had one that was just like this knit blanket where the thing it's knit from is like this extremely chunky, like cotton tube stuffed full of cotton tubes all the way down. And oh. that one distributes the weight evenly. I just got it in the day in the mail today and I was lying under it earlier. It was excellent. Oh, so you actually you did get a chance to use it before plugging yeah, it. Yeah, for like for like ten minutes before I had to go do other things. But yeah, it was it was very soothing. It was no lumps, and because it's like a chunky knit, it's like pretty breathable. Very nice. Yeah, I have cats, so I don't really need a weighted blanket. <laughs> the, well, the cats the cats are also lumpy and sometimes pokey. Yeah, they're also quite chunk. Yeah. <laughs> are we ready to start with some topics? I love a topic. Eleni, your topic is hosting a party is way better than going to a party. God, it's true, though. I, this is just the thing I've noticed over time. I don't like going to parties. There's a lot of people there, and I never really know what to do with myself. And so, like, I usually just kind of end up sitting around awkwardly in a corner or, like, t- trailing along behind somebody I already know. Or if there is, like, an activity that is at the party, maybe I can participate in that. Like, if I'm going to, like, a cooking party or a singing party, then I know what to do with myself. So those are okay. Right. But, like, most parties, I'm just going to kind of be there like, oh, no, I can't hear anything anyone is saying. I don't know what to talk about. People ask me about my life, and they have no context on my life. And now I have to figure out how to give them context on my life so that I can talk about my life. And that's just a catch-22. But hosting a party is great, because all you have to do is, like, pick a bunch of people who you think might have a good time together, pick a thing for them to do. And then you can spend the entire time being like, oh, I have to go rearrange the cheese board. <laughs> and they can all handle each other. Yeah. No. Think yeah. of a thing to do, such as talk about topics. That's a kind of party. Yeah. I've actually I've actually had an idea for a party like that, where like, it's like halfway to a LARP, I guess. But the idea would be like, I think of like a bunch of conversations that I think that my friends should have with each other. And then it's like a masquerade. And I'm like, go find somebody wearing a dog mask and talk to them about topology (laughs) and like i just give everybody little quests like this um or i'm like find out like one interesting fact about ocean fish from so and so and then come tell it to me and i'll just like sit on my throne at the back of the party and watch everybody mingle and small talk at each other hopefully not the smallest of talk but like you know do their their conversational quests and that seems like it could be a fun way to throw a party yeah little quests i think would Truly really changed the dynamic. Why does nobody give me a quest at a party? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think that's definitely a thing. I feel the same way of like, hey, if there's something to do. I think it might be because they don't like you. <laughs> that, I I feel like the people who invite me to par- parties are usually my friends. So you think. 
I I feel like the the way this is the way parties are supposed to go are, is kind of a weird thing when you think about it. Just this continuous talking with each other, not about anything particular, totally unplanned, totally unstructured, and yet you're just going to do this for an hour? Are you sure that's going to work? Yeah, it doesn't make sense. And it's like, it's often yeah. just like, do this for like many hours with several different people at the party. Yeah. Yeah. My friends were like inviting me to this party. I don't know. I guess this was like literally a year ago at this point. But, and I was like, is there anything I could do to help like run the party? And they were like, yeah, like we, need, we still need to like figure out the snack table. And we thought it'd be kind of cool to have like cocktails, but none of us really knows a lot about drinks. And I was like, all right, I'm going to do this, the grocery shopping ahead of time. I'll lay out all the snacks and then I will sit behind the bar making like little thematic shots for people. I came up with like a few themed shots and then I had a station and I always knew if I wasn't doing anything else, that's what I would be doing. It worked great. It's reassuring to know you're doing something. Yeah. You're not just have you, sitting have there. you tried just bringing a cheese board to a party and saying, I'm sorry, I have to go rearrange my cheese board? <laughs> I, I have not considered that. I feel like it might be like oh, no, you weird can't that have you don't any. have a place to put the cheese board. The only reason that you ha- ever have to rearrange the cheese board, Jim, is if people have been eating from it and then there's like some of the cheese is missing and you have to go put more cheese out. No, I'm going to sort the cheese from sharp to mild. <laughs> okay, now I'm going to sort the cheese by color. <laughs> Ooh, the full spectrum of cheese. Yes. Oh, man. A, fr- a friend, this is a, 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 a tangent, but a friend was recently, uh, you know those sorting algorithm videos where it like you can watch like a visualization of the sorting algorithm sorting and it makes little sounds? Yeah. There was one where the sound it made sounded like it was saying the word sorting for like part of it. After that, it sounded kind of like it was saying the word reboot, but like that, that was that was a fun sort. You should sort the cheese that way. That was the sorting algorithm gaining intelligence and trying to understand itself. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm over here sorting the cheese from infra cheddar to ultra blue. Yes. <laughs> ultra blue is my favorite cheese. Gross. I mean, this is why I kind of like, uh, you know, having a group you play tabletop games with or board games mm. with. Like, you know, you go to the, my D&D group and it's just like, yeah, we could talk about stuff as we're settling down. But it's like we're never want – we never feel awkward. We never want for anything to do because we're – you know, we have a quest. Right. Yeah. Though, like, personally, I can't stand that sort of thing. Like, if everybody has the same quest – like I haven't, I'm mm. not really sure why that is. I want, I, I need there to be like an escape hatch for if I don't like this activity. Yeah, that's legit. Maybe is what it is. I'm not sure. Hmm. Like a big part of my issue is that like for a really big party, like I can just barely follow two conversations that are happening in the same room at the same time, like or you know follow one of them and not get super distracted by the other. But as soon as there are three conversations happening in the same room at the same time. It's just total like auditory overload for me, and I suddenly cannot follow anything and feel super overwhelmed. Yeah, no, that's that's where you go to the you take a smoke break, you go out to the <laughs> right. the patio <laughs> and talk to the people out there. The ideal party venue has like several separate rooms, each just big enough for like at most eight people all having the same conversation. You could just teach all your friends sign language. I've been trying. <laughs> it seems like a great advantage to have sometimes to be able to go to a bar and like clearly hear what the other person is saying just by looking at them it's a superpower yeah but like i i'm pretty sure it's not possible to listen to two things at once to two two like instances of speech at once or to, to listen while you're talking like i don't think we have two tracks in our head that can do that yeah i know like people's ability to understand speech gets like super degraded whenever there's crosstalk it's just like yeah. if there are two conversations, I can like mostly manage to like stick to the thread of the one. And if there's an- as soon as you add in that third conversation, I cannot keep the thread at all. You know what's weird? Mm-hmm. When you read aloud, when you read words aloud, you're saying the words, but you're reading different words from the ones you're saying because you never run out of words to say. I think it's like you you like as you're reading the words with your eyes, you're generating a speech plan that then like comes out of your mouth um, at like the lag yeah. of speech planning. Yeah, the words are time traveling. <laughs> kind yeah. of. I mean, I do this all the time because I'm I'm 
writing on the board while I'm saying things. Oof. And like it That sounds it, worse. It, it, that would like speech jam me because you have to think ahead there. It mostly works. It's just that occasionally I'll do a really dumb misspelling while writing <laughs> or I'll like yeah. jump a syllable, but it's it it's it's easier to do than you'd think. Huh. I think you have to have a pretty good idea of exactly what you're trying to say. Yeah, that seems likely. Yeah, so I think my my point is that you can follow two conversations at once, but only if they're the same conversation lagged by a second and a half. <laughs> well, have you no. have you tried the thing where you you're talking, but your the sound of your voice is fed back to you with a lag of a second and a half? It is impossible. <laughs> That's literally called yeah. a speech jammer. <laughs> yeah, this could be it. This could be it. Just a interesting alien power power like we think of like aliens that can like do things human can but i've never seen an alien or fantasy race that can talk while speaking or listen to two things at once huh yeah imagine a, a imagine a species of aliens that is just always talking because they can listen while talking and they're just non-stop exchanging information with each other sounds exhausting that sounds, yeah that was, that was what i was about to say yeah are we ready for another topic yeah yeah Alexander, your topic is the Pearl Jam liner notes method of writing first drafts. Oh, man, I put this topic in a while ago. I, I made this name up and haven't shared it with anyone, so don't bother Googling it. But uh, there was a while when I was I, I was trying to write a bunch, not like creative writing, but just like instructive writing, writing notes for lectures and explaining concepts. Yeah. It's hard because, you know, I do math and so much of it is very abstract in a way that is not very well translatable. Mm -hmm. And, to you know, you, you use symbols for a lot, but also how do you how do you put things into words so that the it flows so that it doesn't it's not grading or uh, unparsable or unfollowable. Um, so you kind of have to like balance your word choice and complexity and, you know, what exactly you're saying. Mm -hmm. But the the thing I started doing, and I think this I think this could apply to a lot of other things, is just a very particular way of sort of half writing things first. So I'm gonna I'm gonna post a a link to this picture. Okay. So on the uh, Pearl the album by Pearl Jam called Ten. Yeah. If you open up and look at the liner notes, they say the uh, they put the lyrics in there for the songs, but they do it in kind of a weird way. Each song is. The, like they're written differently in different handwriting and some of it's all the lyrics some of it's just the chorus some of it's none of the lyrics and some of them like the one i just shared it's like one pivotal word from each line huh. and a couple of them are written that way it's like it's notes well it's like we were just talking about it's notes for the singer so he remembers what the next verse is that makes sense yeah oh interesting yeah. this word and the words that go around it yeah so I've noticed that when I want to say something about something, it's sometimes easier to just write the important word and put in dot, 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 and fill in all the fiddly, like, prepositions and phrasings and verbs in later. Yeah, that makes sense to me. So just go, go through them, just like, okay, important noun, important concept, important thing, I think I'm trying to say here in a couple words, and then just go through that. And eventually I, I, I fall into a stride and start writing it for real, but um, yeah. I think it's... It really kind of cuts away the, the muck of writing what you're wanting to write. That's really interesting. I feel like this is the method I use like when I have like a, a talk I have to give, which I haven't had to do in a long time. But if there's like some topic that I like am very knowledgeable about, but I need to keep my thoughts organized rather than like writing out the full thing about what I'm planning to say, like giving myself a script or something, I'll just you know, yeah, give like one word bullet points of like, this is an idea, like give these ideas in this order. Yeah, uh, that's interesting. You know what you want to say that you just like, you'll work out whether to use the noun or to use the word this or whether to use on or of or by or like which, where to put your commas. Just do that later. Right. I don't do like a lot of, of drafting, but definitely having like just that bare structure to hang things on initially just to get things like organized and then flesh it out that seems like a good way to go yeah I, I feel it's super easy to get lost in the weeds like while writing or like while coding mm -hmm. and trying to organize all your code and pseudo code but for your speech getting all the little loose bits together you never get to the second main thing you're trying to do because of all the little frills you're putting on the first thing <laughs> yeah i wonder how much that translates to like story writing also or like writing like a i don't know like a, a journalist article or whatever like back when I was making demos, I remember mm -hmm. 
having an idea in my head and implementing like the the simplest form of the idea that's much less fleshed fleshed out than what was in my head. And by the time I got it sufficiently working, like to the point where like this isn't buggy anymore and it's actually functioning, mm-hmm. like that the what it became just kind of superseded the idea in my head and I kind of forgot what I was originally planning to do that was much more elaborate. Huh. Like if I had just like written down the idea, I could then go back and refer to it. Right. And like, yeah, this is what I was going to do and that would be the next step is work towards that. But it just didn't occur to me to do it that way. Hmm. I'm like reminded of that like sculptural principle of creativity, right? Like it's it's ready when there's nothing left to take away. Like that's the core of your idea. Yeah, yeah maybe. I think it was more just disappointing though. Aww. Are we ready for another topic? Yeah. So, uh, my topic is Lagrange Point lasagna, and I'm really hoping one of you can tell me whether my understanding of Lagrange points is accurate enough that this is a useful application of them. <laughs> okay, I'm. I have an hmm. image in my head of where the like the Lagrange points are, but I have I have no connection in my head between that image and lasagna yet. So you're gonna have yeah. to explain more. <laughs> <laughs> I just Googled it, and the second result I get is the best-baked lasagna in Lagrange restaurant in spring 2022, not, so this doesn't seem to be a thing. Not what we're looking for. No, no, this is an idea in my head. Ah. So here's the idea. Uh, you know how when you make brownies, yeah. some people like the edge pieces and some people like the center pieces? Right. Sure. And there are these pans for like, here's how you make, here's how you make a brownie all edge piece. Yeah. Hmm. But there are no pans for making a brownie that's all centerpiece. Oh, I've done that. And wait, what? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, let's get to your idea after I'll, I'll, I- I'll let you give your idea, but I have I have a solution for you. Okay. So my solution was that you have to bake it on the outside of a sphere. All right. And that's what I that was my mental image too. So I'm really <laughs> curious what Elena did. And if it's that, I'm very and impressed. And to do this, you have to go to a place with zero gravity. And that's wh- that's why I thought of Lagrange points. Because, like, am I right? This is where like the gravitational for- forces of the r- of the related gravity wells like they cancel each other out at these points, right? Um, eh, not quite. I mean, so strictly speaking, I mean, the good news is that you don't have to get that far <laughs> because as long as you're in orbit, the effective gravity on you is zero like the the amount of gravity one side of the of the lasagna pan will feel uh it'll be the same as the gravity on the other side so there's no there's no if there's no differential in pull okay well free fall lasagna does not alliterate so we have to come up with something else free fall lasagna sounds great free though. fall falafel where for people <laughs> who like only the centerpieces of the falafel <laughs> Who wants only the center of a falafel? <laughs> Just don't fry the falafel at that point. <laughs> Freefall lasagna sounds like a, a hip new restaurant, though, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Like a, bu- a bunch of tech dorks decided to open a restaurant. <laughs> All right, Elena, uh, enlighten us. Oh, so at one point, a bunch of friends and I had some brownie mix, and we were... I don't quite remember the thought process that led us here, but we... We were curious what would happen if you tried to sous vide your brownies. <laughs> okay. So we put the brownie mix in a big Ziploc bag and we let it cook at maximum sous vide temperature for a while. And the thing that we got out of it was pretty much exactly the gooey center of a brownie and nothing else. So not even a top. Not even a top. That's way better than my idea <laughs> for for the person who wants the grossest part of the brownie right I, th- I think what you have to do is you have to you have to f- take a travel to the uh, elemental plane of brownie where it's yeah, just like yeah. all brownie in all directions or lasagna yeah here, here's, here's what happens is you someone invents a way to open a portal uh-huh. to the lasagna dimension <laughs> and they reach in and scoop some out and you know it's safe because there are no bacteria in there. There's just it's just lasagna it's just lasagna there's no bacteria just in lasagna. the lasagna so the lasagna can't rot and then you close the portal so that that um, we don't you, 
infect the plane of lasagna with our <laughs> well here's the thing like we we just did by by scooping like open the portal it's already that part's infected you just scoop it, it with a sterilized scoop right well you also need like an airlock i guess yeah but the, we're not going to bother doing that because like you know you open a portal to the lasagna dimension you're getting a random part of that dimension Sure, okay. And so, like, what are the chances that you're going to reopen? This is Are we assuming surely, that it's like an infinite volume of lasagna? Surely a near infinite volume okay. of lasagna and not like, oh, this is actually like a 50, 50 cubic meter dimension of lasagna, it turns out. <laughs> Whoops, ran out. You, you can't do a uniform randomness on an infinite uh, set. You need a... Uh, they figured if, it if out. If it is random, you'll have to decide how, like, it's distributed. Well, okay, wait, but we can decide like what layers go in the lasagna right it could be specifically the dimension where the lasagna has a layer of mushroom and then a layer of zucchini and then like a layer of like i don't know a mix of beef and pork what if there was tectonic plates in this area because like <laughs> some lasagna an, <laughs> yeah if you look at an island chain like Kauai or galapagos there's one sort of volcanic there's there's gotta be a word for what i'm thinking of some geologist is gonna yell at me but there's a there's a there's a point where the lava comes out of the ground and makes an island but the plate drifts so you get this like dribble of islands right. from this point so, so you need to do that with your portals basically sounds delicious just a dribble of lasagna yeah to satisfy i think the other part of your question lagrange points are where the you don't have to be in an orbit Basically, like if if you want to stay in zero G around the Earth, you have to sort of orbit it because it's just going to pull you in. But Lagrange points are where the pull of two different bodies line up so that you can stay where you are relative to both of them um, without having to like do something dynamic like revolve around one of them. Okay, and you're not considered to be in orbit in any way around these either of these objects or both of them i mean you well it you're still in orbit around the sun but not around the earth or rather you're in an orbit close to the earth but the earth is in no danger of perturbing that orbit because the perturbances actually um they they move you back into the point okay That's why there's like a huge cluster of asteroids on one side of jupiter because of its lagrange point asteroid party it's just kind of all funneled in there i don't think there's any lasagna there though it's that's a lost opportunity <laughs> new cause area you've got the asteroid equivalent of brownie soup happening there all asteroid center no asteroid edges yeah i mean what if yeah what if you do like the kind of heavier elements in the middle and you don't like the crust of an asteroid what do you do you kind of scoop into the infinite asteroid dimension <laughs> yeah or maybe there's maybe there's people in the lasagna dimension who's like you know how some people like the the sort of warm part of the air bubble that's near the lasagna but some other people like the the space in the middle that's not near lasagna what if there's a whole dimension of air that's just not near any lasagna (laughs) yeah otherwise those people in the lasagna dimension would definitely be dead (laughs) i i think we can trade with the lasagna people we have much to learn from one another (laughs) I definitely preferred my conception of the lasagna dimension that's just lasagna. There's no people in your lasagna, Jim? No. None. No. Or it could it could also be a baked ziti dimension. Oh. I feel like the layers of the lasagna imply a human hand. Interesting. But ziti, it could be naturally occurring? Yes. Ziti is much... It's, it's just uh, free form. It's random. You're sounding like a lasagna creationist, Jim. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I mean, I, I the Earth that, is a rock lasagna. You could, oh. Yeah, you could have like sedimentary layers of lasagna, right? Like it just oh. over over time, the like ricotta erodes from the ricotta mountain and flows down and and leaves a layer of ricotta, and then maybe the sausage develops into intelligent life forms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is uh, this is this is making me hungry. We wonder what mad god put their whole dimension together. <laughs> <laughs> Are we ready for another topic? Sure. What's up? Uh, For this topic, we're going to be reading the poem. uh, Is this by Jonathan Swift? This is by Jonathan Swift. uh, Called uh, Ode on the Longitude. All right. Uh, It also seems to be called Ode for Music on the Longitude. Um, Well, I don't know how to do that here. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Apparently, you were supposed to sing this, but boy, that's a big ask with this one. There's a recitative. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. 
There is a story behind this. You might find that hard to believe after hearing it, though. All right, who wants to read this poem? Um, I'll volunteer. All right, go ahead. The Longitude Missed On by Wicked William Wiston And Not Better Hit On by Good Master Ditton So Ditton and Wiston may both be bepissed on And Wiston and Ditton may both be beshit on Sing Ditton, beshit on And Wiston, bepissed on Sing Ditton and Wiston And Wiston and Ditton Beshit and bepissed on Bepissed and beshit on This makes a lot more sense when you say it Than when I try to read it <laughs> That's because they censored out the pissed and bishits. <laughs> you know, it's not a common swear word, so the censoring actually works, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's, it turns out that if effective. you don't know a swear, it's just mysterious. Yeah, I had to look at it for a second. Like, what is bepst? Oh, wait a minute. Bepst and besht. <laughs> so I, I was expecting to learn something about the longitude from this, but all I learned is which archaic swears rhyme with wiston and ditton. Yeah. So, I mean, that's part of what makes this kind of like a meta level of funny here is that they were, these guys did such a well-known blunder relating to this whole longitude thing that he didn't have to mention what it was to make fun of him. <laughs> <laughs> Just a reminder, these guys are dumb and everybody's like, ha ha, yeah. Yeah. So here's the story. And again, this is pretty much like, you know, cribbing from the... Uh, uh, the the constant podcast to hearing this in the first uh, you know, hear a lot hearing about a lot of this in the first place, but uh, there was a very long standing problem uh-huh. in navigation, and that is how do you figure out your longitude? Right. right. Yeah. Because you can figure out your latitude if you know enough stuff. If you got the instruments and you can find the sun and you know the math of the doing the trigonometry and what day of the year it is and so forth. Yeah. But to, there's no inherent difference between two places of the same latitude and different longitudes. Yeah, you have it's to just, know what time it is. It's going to be a few hours ahead of the other. Yeah, it's it's just timing and watches didn't exist. All right. Um, and uh, this was pretty much the main motivations for watches existing <laughs> um, in that it was an enormous problem. It wasn't just uh, – like it was a huge matter of life and death for people because – this was already the age of navigation and they were actual ships that didn't know their longitude and took a wrong turn and half the crew died of scurvy because they couldn't find the land they were looking for. Fuck. It was like w- when you cross the Atlantic, you'd have to stay at the same latitude so that you know you will eventually hit the thing that you're trying to aim for wow. without having to worry about the longitude if you're just going in a straight line, um, which wasn't ideal. Yeah. Sounds like being a navigator in that time period, it would have been a pretty stressful job. I mean, yeah, it uh, it was like it was punishable by death for any of the crew to make any uh, readings that contradicted the navigator just because of what a blow to morale that would be. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, this is an actual thing. There was a ship. I, I forget the name of it, but uh, they were not on the right course. They were headed for the rocks uh, and one of the crew figured it out and he was executed uh, for it. But then half the ship died anyway when it wrecked. Well, fuck. Yeah, uh, this was kind of the, you know, one of the big problems of the age is how do you figure out your longitude, which is effectively the same thing of how do you figure out what time it is or rather like what time it is back home so you can compare time zones right Right, yep and the story was that it was that shipwreck i just mentioned that there was the motivation for england to put up a prize to whoever could do this but there's an alternate theory put forth uh from this podcast with some pretty good reasoning behind it that it was actually a plot by one William Whiston, huh. who was bepissed on. But why? Well, he was a well. He was a well-to-do guy. He was a scholar. Um, he was a. It was an age where you had a lot of very smart people in science and math that were also religious in very kind of weird ways. Uh-huh. This guy got expelled because he was an Arian, as in the ancient sect of christianity predated the nicene creed in like the 300s or so he didn't accept the trinity yeah you know it's like that's that's quite a throwback um 
Yeah, yeah. Bring back monophysitism. No, but uh, yeah, he got he got kicked out of Cambridge, and um, so he base the theory is that he had the influence to influence the uh, uh, the parliament to put this this sort of contest together with the intent for him to win it because he thought he had a good idea. His what his idea was: how do you get two people far apart? to recognize when the same event happens at the same time. You make it really loud. <laughs> so he had this idea that, hey, if we just fire a cannon at noon, then everyone within however far that sound travels is going to know it's noon. And then he uh, changed it a bit. He's like, okay, we, you know, maybe, maybe the sound won't carry that far. But you know what does carry far? If you can put some display into the sky, because he saw some firework display and he had an inspiration. What if ships could just shoot off fireworks every day at noon at pretty much all points of the Atlantic Ocean so that everyone can keep their time? Now, the more you think about the idea of British Navy ships sitting in the middle of the Atlantic indefinitely shooting off fireworks and having enough fireworks to shoot off in their hull every day at very predictable places, the worse the idea gets. (laughs) These are such explosive ships in such known locations. These weren't even the worst ideas for the problem. But um, this, he published it as a new method for discovering the longitude both at sea and land, humbly proposed... To, for the consideration of the public, and it was such a uh, ridiculous, much ridiculed um, work that uh, even Jonathan Swift basically said, "What a shithead!" and everyone laughed. And their names rhymes with "bishiton" and "bipiston," so that's great too. This wasn't even like ever implemented, and then turned out to be a disaster. It was just like oh, someone published man, a wish. pamphlet, and then. Jonathan Swift wrote like a wrote a flame bait about it. Yeah, this was the Jewish space lasers of the uh, 1700s. Okay, that's the episode title. <laughs> I really thought it was going to be free fall falafel. Oh, that'd be a good one though. No, I think the 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 worst worst idea in a whole lot of ways was um, the very fallacious idea of let's see what was it called it was called powder of sympathy that if you caused a wound in an animal and then put the knife that caused the wound in some powder the animal would feel it at the same time the tortured animal so sink your clock yeah spooky action at a distance but yeah yeah why don't they just try quantum entanglement yeah why didn't it's funny how, like, the what if you had a really loud sound thing? I'm like, well, I mean, like, we did ultimately invent radio, which is kind of like that. <laughs> yeah. Kind of. I guess I guess you could say GPS has some things in common with the fireworks idea. In, in a sense, GPS is extremely loud. Yeah, or it's, it's up in the sky. You have it there at all times, constantly signaling. Yeah, it was just an idea that was before its time. Yeah. It, it came down to just a like a, a competition between people who tried to use astro- astronomical ways of getting really fine readings on time to people who were just trying to build a clock that would actually work and not work on the ocean, like on a on a moving ship. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Incredible. And the clocks won. Are we ready for another topic? Yeah. Okay, Alexander, your topic is the theory of spontaneous generation. For those who don't know. There's this idea that people used to have, and even for those who do know, it's kind of shocking to hear about it and to hear about how much it was a universal and unassailable fact for an extremely long period of time, how it was just assumed to be true uh, by everyone. The idea of living things coming out of non-living material. And it's kind of born out of the the idea where if you know if you leave meat out, maggots will appear on it. Right. Or um, you know, if you 
you know, the whole thing about you put a wood on, you put a log on the fire and salamanders come out of it. Or, you know, you get all kinds of mice and snakes and eels. If there is a pond, ducks will appear. <laughs> uh, sort of, but it, it more like non, non-warm-blooded things, more like creepy, crawly stuff. I guess also mice, just anything small or alien or, um, you know, bug-like was... Um, you know, it, it, human prejudice. Like small yappy dogs. <laughs> small yappy dogs, yeah. There's a bizarre story I, in the Old Testament somewhere, I think in the story of Samson, where um, there's a riddle, and to get the riddle, it you have to understand that bees come out of lion carcasses. <laughs> what? Lions are not, like, common in many of the areas where bees are common. Yes. Which areas are those? I mean, bees are, like, everywhere, and lions are, like, in Africa, right? Right, but so was early man. I guess I don't... I guess I don't know... That's their frame of reference. Yeah, this is, like, Judea and stuff. The extent of lions with respect to Judea, maybe they I mean, had that's, both. That doesn't have to be the only place bees come out of. Okay, it's just a place. <laughs> like, I, you're, you're contesting the wrong part of this, I think. <laughs> Fine. Bees can come out of lots of places, including lion carcasses. There, there's several theories about this, several ideas, several versions of this. Like, could higher animals be made from non-living matter or not? Or, um, like, do, do beings have to be made this way or could they reproduce? Um, like, you know, could men be made out of clay? Could that actually be a thing that happens? I think my favorite version of this is the idea that at some point the earth had more energy in it. And so you could get all kinds of animals, including people coming out of non-living clay. But now it's just kind of a tired old planet and only makes like bugs and snails and stuff. (laughs) Eventually all we'll get is like algae and then nothing. Yeah. But it, it took people who were really and just kind of adorably interested in snakes or insects to notice that, hey, these things, like, they're not lumps of stuff. They have digestive tracts. They lay eggs. They have parts of their body like we do. They're not a fundamentally different type of God. thing. But if people thought that man might be spontaneously generated, doesn't that presuppose that a man is in some way fundamentally the same thing as a snake? Well, yeah, but this I think these were the, – eventually you got to the point where it's like – you get to like Christian times and it's like things that have souls have to be born or something like that. Okay. Huh. I, I'm curious like what the like progression of ideas around this theory was and like what what like knocks to the theory occurred, what like discoveries caused people to discard it and what supplanted it. Yeah, I mean – it took a lot of convincing. You had to start seeing them under the microscope. It took until optics. <laughs> yeah, oh no, I'm I'm talking like Louis Pasteur. I'm talking like wow, almost even the 1800s. This there was still a point of minor contention. I remember doing the experiment in elementary school uh, to demonstrate that um, unless a like particles can fall into. Um, like physically fall in onto like rotting meat, nothing will will grow in there. I think was what it was, and you, they just do that with a little, little curved pipe of glass. So it's like this yeah. part of like the the debate with like whether surgeons should wash their hands or no, that was later. Okay, um, but you had to use a curved pipe because they did experiments where they used a. I mean. They used a, a copper, not a copper, a, a cotton stopper to a flask and noticed the flies couldn't get in, but they could get to the copper, cotton. And then they had another one where the, the, the thing was totally sealed and sterilized and none of the bacteria could get in. But, you know, spontaneous generation diehard said, well, you have, it comes from the air, you have to circulate it. So Pasteur had to make this really long bent tube that air could get through, but would take too long for microbes to find their way Whoa. through. Yeah, like he had to make the glass himself, I think, or someone did. That's such a pain. How long was this tube? I don't know, Jim, you actually did it. <laughs> yeah, it was just a few inches. Oh, I mean, it was, I, it was I, I remember it being, like, the important thing being that it was, um, like, the bacteria are not capable of climbing, or I think they're maybe even inert at the time. They get stuck in the little, the bottom of the curve. 
That's that's yeah. what I remember it being anyway. I think one of the best parts of this this whole story is uh you know people would actually write about how these creatures are made and someone published a book containing a recipe for scorpions. A recipe. <laughs> Oh, I don't remember the full details, but it's something about like getting clay bricks with an indentation in there and then putting herbs inside, a certain herbs, letting it ferment. They thought fermenting was some kind of spontaneous generation thing and sealing it up. Uh, are we ready for another topic? Yeah, I can do a topic. Uh, Eleni, your topic is it turns out Sunday roasts are a whole deal. They are. This was, this turned out to be tragic for me. Um, what? I I was in the UK uh, back in October of last year. Uh, I a, a friend of mine was doing a, a, a like a blog book tour or something. He was doing a bunch of meetups um, all across Europe, and he wanted a traveling partner. So I came along. It was my first time in the UK there, and I I thought to myself like, what are things that I want to do while I'm here? And I was like, I want a Yorkshire pudding. I want like one made in the UK. And that was like one of my goals. And we got there on a Sunday. Uh, so when I was like looking up like what, what restaurants have Yorkshire puddings, everybody had one. And I was like, all right, this is great. Let's go out. But he's vegetarian. So he didn't want to go out to a Sunday roast. So I was like, okay, I'll just, I'll just get one next week. Um, so we we were in London that day, and then by the time that the next Sunday rolled around, we were in Oxford, probably. And I had thought that perhaps I should pick out what restaurant I would get the, the Sunday roast with my Yorkshire pudding at. And that's why I looked up what restaurants existed there, and I, I picked one that looked appealing. And I even thought perhaps I should call ahead. So, like, earlier that day... I called ahead to be like, hello, you know, can I get a table for one at, you know, later this evening? And they were like, no. <laughs> and I was like, excuse me? And they were like, yeah, no, we're, we're booked up. And I was like, oh, okay. Huh. Well, maybe this is just like the only place to do this. It's, it's not that big of a town or something. And so there was one final Sunday that I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go. I'm going to have my Sunday roast. I'm going to get my Yorkshire pudding. And when we were in Edinburgh, and I found this place that had this great looking one. And I went there at the time and they were like, no, you, you needed to call it head. You need to, to reserve a spot days ago. Yikes. And so I was like, well, do, do, you, do you have just like a Yorkshire pudding? And they're like, no, we can't seat you. There's no space here. We're booked solidly all night. And I was like, do you know anywhere I could possibly go? This is my last day in the UK. And all I have wanted the entire time that I've been here is a Yorkshire pudding. Please, sir, could I have but a morsel? <laughs> <laughs> um, they they directed me to like a pub a few blocks down, and they were like, maybe they th maybe those guys have something. Um, and those guys were like, no, we're at, we're out of our Sunday roast. And I was like, do you at least have the pudding? And they're like, we might we might still have a pudding for you. And so I I sat there and I had like some random cocktail or something, and just a Yorkshire pudding by itself. I this is I, this is just not a, a problem I had at all anticipated. I didn't expect that there would be a weekly thing. Weekly, any week, it has a Sunday. Yeah. What is a Sunday roast? Just a roast you have on Sunday? Apparently, like you, you can't just get a roast on any day. You can only get them on Sundays, and everybody gets them on right, Sundays. Because they've been waiting all week. Right. No, no place during the during the rest of the week would they sell me a roast. Every Sunday, every place was booked out. No offense, but did it cross your mind that maybe they're just, this is something they just tell Americans to get rid of them? <laughs> maybe. The fish and I, chip shop let me go. I, I, like, I think if I were British, I would just make up some British sounding nonsense and have all the Americans believe it's a thing because I would like if they told me that oh yes you, you can't you can't come in here at four we're having our St. Tuppence Day brouhaha I'd be like okay <laughs> I guess I should have known maybe the accent tipped them off and they were all like oh, no no we, we can't let the Yankee in here right now all right million shilling idea yeah Ooh, how many guineas <laughs> I have no idea how many guineas <laughs> no one does uh 
a, a restaurant that serves Sunday roast every day. It seems brilliant. I, mm. I you'd think somewhere in the UK would be such a the place. The sun will never set on the British Sunday roast. <laughs> I think that that's a winner. Yeah, not in the British, not in the Sunday roast dimension. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if only I could access the Sunday roast dimension. You know, some people like the skin of the roast, but some people like the meat inside. <laughs> I, I want the gravy. I want the gravy on the pudding. What if you had an enormous, like, dimension of cow? <laughs> it's funny to me because there actually is a restaurant that does do Sunday roast every day in San Francisco that I have been to. They're mm. mediocre. It was like an okay roast. Yeah. Like it, it was, it was fine. It was a very popular place. The roast was fine. You, you but take your Sunday roast energy and you spread it throughout the week. Of course, you're going to get, you know, it won't be as good. Yeah, clearly, there's just something special about only doing it on Sundays. Right, and if it's in San Francisco, you have to pay in Bitcoin. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's so annoying to scrounge those up. Or as they say in the UK, bitums. <laughs> How many bitums to a guinea? <laughs> you got to go out to the playa and dig up. Like, oh, we left our hard drive out there. He's just mining for Bitcoin out on the playa, underneath the harsh sun. Some, like, Oliver Twist-style little kid miners. <laughs> oh, no. This is what we have child labor laws for. Ex- exchanging your exchanging your bitums to Ethereum. <laughs> Tell us what York- Yorkshire pudding is like. A Yorkshire pudding is like, it's like nothing else. Um, <laughs> now, what What is it like? I'm, I'm looking at pictures and it looks it's like, like a, a popover. Have you had a popover? Uh, I think I think so. Wait, is that like a turnover? No, a popover is very different from a turn- turnover. They pop, they don't turn. Oh. There's no turning involved. Oh. Uh, it's like you have like a thin batter that like puffs up into like a light, airy, crispy, but also kind of ch- ch- chewy or like springy sort of situation. Okay. They're They're very good and they're like good for like... Sopping up gravy with. No, oh, but you had none. I had none. <laughs> now, if you made one at a Lagrange point. Yeah. <laughs> a perfectly spherical Yorkshire yeah. pudding. You could sop up the gravy from the gravy dimension. Oh, yes. So, like, we're in the Milky Way. Somewhere out there, there's a gravy, the gravy way? galaxy. Right. Yeah, yeah. Gravy way. Take me to the gravy way. Gravy Avenue. I'm going to walk down to Gravy Avenue. Via Gravia. I think we're going to finish this list of topics. Oh wow! Our, Good job. Ooh, us. Do we want to? Do you want to do this last topic? Let Let's do it. My topic is diagnose my tongue. I think it's a tongue. <laughs> so I'm I'm not qualified for this. My tongue is all better now, and I know what it was. But I'm curious. Oh, so now it's like a murder mystery. Yeah. So what I want to I want to describe the situation to you and see like is this an interesting puzzle or if it was it. Just- <laughs> It's just just gross talking about your tongue. Right. For context, for context, how how old is this topic? Uh, a couple of weeks, maybe. It had to have crossed your mind what a ephemeral topic this is. Oh yeah, no, I, I I mean when I put it in the bucket, my tongue was already like I had already figured <laughs> it out. Like if I put in a topic that was just what's up with that bird? Uh, hey, we did the topic. Where are my glasses? Once. Oh, where right. were they? We didn't find them. God damn it! <laughs> yeah, the topic was all like, "Go look behind the couch," and they said, "Okay, oh, and they're not there." <laughs> uh, so this happened like uh, when I was I was down for the count for with some sort of gastric like flu thing, right. uh, and I was in bed for. I think literally, like, not literally, but almost 24 hours straight. Dang. Like, getting up maybe, you know, twice in that time to, you know, to mm-hmm. eat some soup or whatnot. Sure. Uh, and afterwards, I had this sore on my tongue that I thought was like, okay, this is like, I must have eat, burned it. I ate something hot or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, mouth mouth wounds or mouth burns, they usually heal pretty quick, but... Over the next couple of days, it wasn't healing. And I was like, okay, this is weird. And I realized this isn't actually like a burn. This is more like when you eat something that's too sour and it leaves like a – it's like an acid burn on your tongue. Mm. Yeah, I've had that. I had like sour candy and that my – until my tongue was bleeding. I've had – yeah, I've had a lot of those. I get those sometimes, not even from eating anything acidic. Like I get – it feels like acid burn on my tongue. 
isn't there like some sort of like general like low-key infection you can have that will resurface when you're fighting something else off but most of the time your your body can handle it scurvy did you have scurvy jim no no i'm 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 now trying to diagnose alexander now it's (laughs) now we're diagnosing his tongue as well i eat a lot of fruit i'm the last person who's gonna get scurvy (laughs) nega scurvy um, from you get it from eating too much fruit oh oh no uh, well, that, yeah, I probably have that then. <laughs> you just start sprouting extra teeth. Oh, I that would that would be bad. <laughs> I already have too many. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> so this is going to be a bad puzzle for the listener because I have not given enough information to to solve it. it where on your tongue was this? Like the 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 slightly off center on the tip. Huh. Okay. Like to, to slightly to the left, uh, but people. People who have been listening to the show for a while, and also you, have enough information about me to to figure this out. Okay, I, what do oh, I know about your wait, mouth? Do you I, know I've the heard your answer, mouth is small. And this is just you're testing us, or yeah, yeah I wanted I I know the answer, and I'm curious if oh. if this is an interesting puzzle. So were you like chewing the tip of your tongue in your in your sleep? No, I do grind my teeth, but that's not it. Was okay. your saliva particularly acidic on that day? <laughs> I didn't get it tested. I don't know. Because that's that's one of my theories. Do you keep anything in your mouth while you're sleeping? Like, do you have, like, a retainer or anything like that? Uh, no. No. You, are you thinking of my CPAP? Uh, no, I was I was just... I'm just exploring this the space here. Right. But tell me about your CPAP. Was it acid-related at all? Was there a low pH involved? Uh, it wasn't an acid. It, was, okay. it wasn't an acid. Uh, so my, my CPAP uh, blows air at my face. Like that's the – it stands for continuous – So was your tongue wind chapped? I think that's what it was, yes. Because <laughs> oh. like eventually – like I think what it, what it was was that like my mouth, it was like slightly ajar on the left and the air was all blowing right at that one point in my tongue for 24 hours straight. Oh my god! You were wearing your seatbelt the entire time. You were lying down. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to stop breathing and die. I thought sleep apnea only happened while you were asleep. No, no, I was. I was sleeping. Oh, yeah. okay. And also, like, like if you're if you're sick, you, it's probably hard to make a hard line of differentiation. Yeah, and like, that's I valid. Am not sleep for the next hour. Just be really bedridden. Yeah, yeah, and apparently. This the air blowing on my tongue for eight hours straight isn't enough to like open up a sore. Wow! But twenty four hours is, and also like uh, eight hours is enough to keep it open. So it wasn't healing over the next week until wow. I, I figured this out, and I um I turned on the humidifier that the CPAP has. I thought you were yeah. supposed to just have that on normally. Uh maybe. Well, geez, maybe you're supposed to. I'd never, I never do because it's a pain in the ass to to clean it every day. You're supposed to clean it every day or it'll, like, grow mold, and that's bad for you. Right. You're supposed to use, like, distilled mm. water and clean it so you don't get, like, brain amoebas. <laughs> yeah. I don't want those. But you'll take the tongue sore. Diagnose my brain amoebas. <laughs> I heard there's a medieval recipe for brain amoebas. <laughs> First, you need a brain. <laughs> and it'll just spontaneously come out of the brain. You just blow wind on it through a long tube. Right. Yes. And so there it is. It was my it was my CPAP injury. Wow. It was my it was my bizarre sleeping injury. I finally have a a sleeping injury story to to rival Dave Mustaine. I don't know D- Dave Mustaine's sleep injury. There was a he like injured his wrist, and this is a guy where like pretty much the only thing going for him in his life is ability to play guitar. Right, right. Oh, no. So what happened was I, I think I've told this story on the podcast before, but it's so good. It's such a good story. So he um fell asleep with his arm hang- dangling over the, the back of a chair. Oh, this does sound familiar. And it compressed the nerve. Fuck, yeah. Uh, to the point where, like, he needed uh, a year of uh, physical therapy to be able to play guitar again. That's a lot. Yeah. Uh, they call it Saturday Night Palsy. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> sleep in a real location, please. Yeah, yeah. As someone who's not really a fan of Megadeth, so it's not not anything about them personally or their music, but one little facet I like about this band is that if you go to like if you go to Wikipedia and look at the band timeline of members, it is the most Byzantine thing. <laughs> 
because it, there's been like 30 people in this band because no one can stand to work with Dave Mustaine for longer than is necessary. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. He, he seems like he's a pretty dislikable dude. It, and it, is he vital for Megadeth? Like all of the other 30 members of Megadeth can't oh, yeah. just yeah. Megadeth without well, he, him? He is. He's the songwriter and singer and lead guitarist. So. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, the other the other adva- example of this I really like is the band Yes because they've they've done that but also like st- switched singers there that it there's such a ship of Theseus that the band underwent mitosis. There's two <laughs> groups of musicians going around that can legitimately call themselves Yes. Are are you Yes? Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's very good. Uh, do, do they, how do they feel about each other? I I don't know. It, oh yeah, do they ever get interviewed about the other person's perform other other one's performances? There was a while where it was who whichever group had the bassist. Uh, his name was Billy Squire or something like that. Could be the legitimate yes, but he died, so you can't do that anymore. But yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like a ship. Of, there was ship of Theseus. But you took the old parts of the ship and you built a different ship out of them. <laughs> the ships of Theseus. Right. You, well, yeah. you cut it in half and you rebuild the other half of each half to make two ships. Yeah. Yeah, it's mitosis. There's the thing where you can turn a sphere into two spheres. Oh, the Banach-Tarski paradox. Yeah, it's, been, it's a Banach-Tarski band. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so to bring it back around to spontaneous generation, uh, what I'm thinking of is when the British rock band The Zombies, they released... Uh, an album called Odyssey and Oracle that tanked in the UK uh, and they broke up. The album became a hit in the US uh, and because this band didn't exist anymore, several, uh, more than one band started calling themselves zombies and touring the US playing that music. Wow. And just nobody had a claim to it or? Well, it was it was totally illegal. <laughs> they were just hoping nobody would notice or that they would... They they could make some money doing this uh, until somebody noticed. This is like the 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 Caramella Girls. <laughs> oh, are you talking about the um, Jan Misali a video that recently was released? Yeah, yeah, that whole saga. Yeah, that's very very odd. Yeah, just this whole fabricated band. Right. Okay. We we need to provide a little bit of context for this. Um, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, sorry. I don't know that. I don't know that I have enough context loaded into my brain, Jim. Do you? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. So, um, there was a. Uh, do you do you know the meme Carmel dancing? A little bit. Yeah. So this was originally um, like early aughts Euro pop. It was like uh, I think the band as was actually called Caramella, but they I don't remember. Yeah. They released this Euro pop album and the the the. Um, the, this dance based like the, the the song about dancing with us uh in swedish was on the album and it was you know not a hit then someone did a uh a nightcore remix of the song and then put an animated heath of two girls dancing doing a silly like silly like floppy handed like yeah dance it, yeah it's like an outtake from like uh an, an anime opening and it's like a fucked up anime it's like hentai or something right right but they just took like a two second clip of like these girls dancing in the anime opening and put it to this sped up version of the song right and so then like suddenly the the record label which was i believe defunct at that time and it was just a dude who owned the rights to these songs was like okay how could we milk this for all that it's worth and invented a new band the caramella girls to be the performers of this the sped up version of this song uh and have they've they've come out with a bunch of new singles that nobody cared about and music videos that nobody cared about and it's just like they're trying to make make this new like virtual band like three cgi girls be the stars of this uh of this act it's it's very odd yeah the, the video on it is fascinating. I recommend it. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll put that in the show notes if I remember to. Uh, and that's all the time we have for Topic Lords. All right. Alexander, if this is something that you want, where can people find you on the internet? Well, I wouldn't mind it, but you still can't. Are you Are you in the Topic Lords Discord? Uh, Yeah, but I'm in so many Discord channels now. I, oh, actually, I made a post a little while ago because I'm looking at distributing some code thing I'm working on, and I... Thought it was the best place to get some advice. Yeah, yeah. Did it work? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Excellent. So, 
Maybe if you join the Topic Lords Discord, maybe you can help Alexander with future uh, projects. And Elena, if this is something that you want, where can people find you on the internet? I'm also on the Topic Lords Discord. Sometimes I'll, I'll pop in to t- discuss some linguistics-related question or something else. All right. Stay fresh, cheese bags. Uh, is that the new sign-off? <laughs> I have not been keeping up, it seems. <laughs> I'm just contemplating the freshness of the cheese bag. <laughs> I, I thought we were just sorting the cheese. Uh, this- to all the to all the, the lasagna beings out there listening in from their dimension, <laughs> we mean you no harm. Stay fresh. <laughs> Hi, this is Jim. This is the audio I append to every episode of Topic Lords. Congratulations to our newly anointed lords. This episode was edited by Esper Quinn, who can also edit your episode if you contact them on Twitter. If you'd like more people to hear the show, you can tell your friends about it, or rate and review us on whatever podcast service you use. You can add content to the Topic Bucket by emailing topicbucket at topiclords.com, and you can contribute to our Patreon at patreon.com topiclords. Patrons get episodes a week early, and you get access to the Topic Lords Discord, where you can discuss topics with all the lords that hang out in there. See you next episode!